on Sunday, we did uh, something, Mark chapter 4, on the parable of the sower. We're going to do part 2 of something along those lines. The parable of the sower. We're going to just spend maybe a, a five minutes or so reviewing quick of what we, we did on Sunday because we, we want to piggyback off of what that begins with. Mark chapter 4 is the parable of the sower. And what we found very interesting about it, when you get down to verse 11, Jesus told His disciples, before He explained it to them, He told them that unto you guys, this mystery, the mystery of the kingdom of heaven is given for you to know. And the reason that's important, He's contrasting that with a different group of people, the people that were in the multitude there previously, in the uh, previously early that day when He spoke to them by a parable, and He tells them in the explanation time, when everybody's gone away but just the, the expanded disciples, He tells them, I, I speak to those guys in parables for the express purpose, that's what He says in verse 12, for the express purpose that they don't understand it. And that sounds very unlike Jesus. It sounds strange. Some very hard language there, but what we learned from it was in the previous chapter, those people had saw Jesus cast out a devil. And they accused him of not being just human and not God. Or they accused him of not attending Sunday school. They didn't accuse him of missing church a couple of times. They accused him of being the devil himself. You're the prince of Beelzebub. That's how you're able to cast out those devils. And because they got it so wrong, they got as wrong as you can get, it's the Son of God standing there casting out a devil, and they attributed that miraculous work to the devil. When that happened, the Bible says that from that point on, Jesus only talked to them in parables, and He tells us why. He said they have committed Matthew, where it's recorded. He introduces the concept of the unpardonable sin. That's, that's tough to read, isn't it? The idea that, boy, there could be something that it's hard to get back from. But what he's pointing out there is not a good thing to see what God does and give the glory, the attribution of that to the devil. Now, in our previous Mark chapter 4 here, we really looked at verse 9 here. After Jesus describes a sower going out to sow, it's a picture of somebody with a bag of seed. They reach in, it's a top of our Nebraska State Capitol. It's the sowers up there. He's throwing seed into the breeze. It scatters it. And the parable, there's several different types of soil conditions that exist that determine how much of it grows. Then in verse 9, he says about that, he says, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. And that's the part we really dug in on because I, don't we all have ears? That's a strange thing to say. Why would he say, if you have ears to hear, let him hear? If you stop and think about that, what's he, what he's really saying is there are some people that even though these things in the side of their head are open, no wax buildup, everything works fine, they still don't understand what's being told them. They have no perception. They're not understanding what's being said. And that's what he means by having ears that hear. Now, there's a lot of places in your Bible where Jesus said this phrase, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. 
Now, every time you hear something like that, when you read something like that, when Jesus is talking about how you hear, what should we associate with those with that language? What's he talking about? What's the principle he's discussing? Understanding. When he talks about, do you have ears to hear? He's talking about, do you understand what I'm saying? Because, remember, the group that was out there, he spoke in parables so that they couldn't understand. But those disciples that came to him, he said, you guys, I'm going to give you the mystery of the kingdom of God. And then he explains the parable. And that starts in verse 13. And we're going to dig into this, but remember, as we go, we're going to run into that phrase, he that hath ears to hear, let him hear. We're going to run into phrases that say, be careful how you hear. Always remember, he's talking about do you understand? All of you in here are hearing the words that I'm saying right now. There's nobody asleep yet. However, it's possible for all of us to hear it different. We understand it a little different. If we put a microphone in front of you and, and tape it, an interview afterward, well, I heard John say such and such. And it's possible I didn't quite say that. Or maybe the person next to you heard it a little different. Jesus is talking about the mystery to the kingdom of God is hearing what the Word says and understanding it. Because look at his explanation, starting in verse 13. He said, Unto them, Know ye not this parable, and how then will you know all parables? Wow. That sounds pretty important, doesn't it? That's why, that's why we're doing a part two. We, we want to get into this. We can't just introduce the idea of the, this is a great mystery in the kingdom of God and we can, we should know it. Jesus is saying, if you understand this idea, you can get to the whole package. Verse 14, the sower sows the word. So for the rest of tonight, when we talk about this picture of a man throwing seed and it landing in ground and in soil, are we really talking about Jerry planting wheat, or barley, corn, or soybeans? That's just an image. What are we really talking about when he says seed? The Word of God. That picture is the Word. Right now, if I would just stand up here like a phone book and just start reading verse by verse, just right to you, that would be the Word, in a sense, having some way of throwing out to be planted. The Word would be going forth, and hopefully as understanding came, it would get down in here and it would start to grow. The sower sows the word. These are they by the wayside where the word is sown. But when they have heard, Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. We're going to now turn to the Matthew account of this. Matthew chapter 13. Because Matthew records with... a. I've got to be careful. I say things like that. Matthew records. Mark wrote. The sower sows the word. This is about the importance of the word of God. I don't ever want it to come across that Mark, just the man, wrote part of the Bible. We all understand that, that those words came from who? From God. This is spirit breathe. The Holy Spirit wrote the Bible. We title it Matthew chapter 13. This is just what the Holy Spirit was belching through Matthew. He's just a vessel. That's what we in this church believe about the Bible. This sucker is alive. It is the Word of God. It just happened to be recorded by Him. 
So what Matthew records, the Holy Spirit interjects a few other things, or at least some, some language that just adds a, an extra tinge of meaning, and that's the beauty of the Word of God, people. God, this is how He does this. Look at Matthew chapter 13. And the explanation starts in verse 18. Hear ye therefore the parable of the sower. Jesus is explaining to His disciples privately what it means. When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not. That's the part that Mark, the account in Mark, that language isn't quite there. Jesus says anyone that hears the word of the kingdom, and if you don't understand it, then what happens? It says the wicked one comes and catches away that which was sown in his heart, and this is he which receives seed by the wayside. Immediately you get the picture. What's the key element in hearing the Word of God if it's going to be beneficial to you? What has to happen? You have to understand it. And you may think, well, well, it's, it's God's Word. He surely wrote it so simple, so plain, that, that it would be easy to understand. You ever just went through your Gospels and, re, and made a Bible study out of how many times Jesus got mad at somebody? because they didn't understand what he was saying. If you look at some examples, let's just think. Remember how many times Jesus told his disciples, listen boys, we're heading toward Jerusalem, and when we get there, the Son of Man, I'm going to be handed over to evil men, and I am going to be crucified, but on the, on the third day I'll be back. What were those disciples doing when Jesus was in the tomb? They were hiding. They were scared. They were shocked as if nobody had ever told them about what was coming. And to put an exclamation on that, what happens when Jesus is risen from the dead and he, the women are there and he says, you tell those disciples, I'll meet them in Galilee. You tell them I go before them. But before that he went and he saw them when they're all in that upper room and what did Jesus say? Did he say, man, good to see you. Haven't seen you for three days. What was it like? The Bible says he upbraided them for their hardness of heart. What's that mean? That's King James language for he chewed their rear. He was mad. Why? Because he had told them. The Son of Man, it's recorded many times in the Gospels. And God doesn't waste his language. He had told them for a purpose. He wanted them to understand it. And the Bible tells us, even there, that they understood not until after he was resurrected. So, so we have that example. Jesus told people about something and he expected them to know. Um, remember, let's go to John chapter 8. Keep a finger right there in Matthew. We will be right back. John chapter 8 and verse 31. John chapter 8 and verse 31, Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on Him, If you continue in My word, so they got a good start, they believe on Him, but if you continue in My word, then are ye My disciples indeed. So you know disciples, they, discipleship doesn't come at entry level. Getting saved, realizing I need a Savior because I'm a sinner. Sin was passed on to me whether I'm a good person or not. And I 
have to have that sin taken care of. And it's the sacrifice that God did with His Son, shedding His Son's blood that covers, it cleanses my sin. That's entry-level Christianity. After that, you can learn to be His disciples. Jesus said to those that were already believing on Him, if you continue in my word, that means keep reading some more pages, then you'll be my disciple. Look at verse 32. And remember, he's talking about reading his word. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Now there's a lot of people, and I was one of those people for probably the first 25 years of my life. I read that and I thought, truth makes me free. Well, the Bible in other places tells me that this Bible, it is truth. So when I carry around this truth, I mean, it's setting me free. Isn't that what that verse says? Maybe if I go to bed tonight and I just rest my head on it, maybe some osmosis will get in there, that this truth, it'll set me free. Is that what that verse says? It does not. My Bible says that you shall know. You shall know it. Now, what does that mean to you? What's In our present English language, what's some synonyms for knowing it? You might think, well, memorizing it. Well, yeah, that's part of it, but what's the know? It's understanding it. Jesus told those people, you continue in my word and you become my disciples. And he goes on to describe that, to expand on it. You shall know the truth and that's when it sets you free. See, there's a big difference. We all teach our children, and it was probably done to you if you grew up in church, to memorize Scripture. That's a fantastic thing to do. But you could memorize a Scripture and still not understand it. You know that's possible? The Pharisees had the Old Testament pretty well memorized, and they had no idea who Jesus was. That Old Testament had predicted Him described him thousands of years in advance. And when he got there, they didn't understand it well enough to know that's him. And because they didn't understand it, what happened to those people? They, they were the worst spot on the totem pole. Jesus told the worst of the sinners. He said, you guys want to get into heaven? You've got to overcome. You've got to be, have more righteousness than who? Those Pharisees. Said they not only don't go into heaven, they're blocking people from getting in there. They didn't understand the Bible. They didn't understand God's word. So teach we teach people to memorize the word, and that's a great thing. That's uh, that's a good way to get some understanding. Because what happens when you memorize it? While you're at work, you chew it over. While you're driving, while you're in the shower, while you're talking on the phone to somebody you're really not talking to, you mull it over. The Holy Spirit brings it back into your remember again, your remembrance again, and you gain understanding because you start to compare it to well, that goes along with what it says over there in that part of the Bible, and you start mixing and matching, and you start putting it together, and the truth starts to set you free. Let's go back to Matthew thirteen. Matthew thirteen. Now let's read that verse nineteen again. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not, I'm, I'm going to stop here some more and keep beating this dead horse. That clearly says that it's possible to hear it and not understand it. Everybody okay with that? That's what it's saying. 
There's nothing wrong with hearing it. We, that's the first step. You've got to hear it. But always remember, you need to make a conscious decision to ask God, am I, really, am I understanding what you're trying to get across to me? You need to ask yourself, could I explain what I just read to somebody? Could I put it in my own language, tear it down, put it back together, and tell somebody what that really means? You need to ask yourself those kind of questions. Because if you don't understand it, the parable says that the here it says Satan comes and removes it, takes it from you. Now remember, this is now we're now we're to an important part. This is the explanation of the parable. In the telling of the parable, who was it that came and took the seed away? In Mark 13, verse 5, some, uh, verse 4, when, the seed, when he had sowed, some seeds fell on the wayside, and who came and devoured them up? The birds, the fowls in the air, I think it says in Mark chapter 4. So when you go to the explanation, Jesus said, who comes to steal it? Satan. I'm intentionally trying to make a comparison. When he tells the story, it's the birds, the fowls of the air that come and take it. When he goes to explain it, he tells us who the fowls are. Who is it? It's Satan. Now, we dumb Americans, you know what we do? We read this like it's poetry and we think, well, this is neat. He's got all these different soils and once he's done explaining the soils, we think, well, he's changing the subject. We're going to see here in a little while, you need to carry that information with you. The birds that come down and pull that out, in the Jewish culture, the most birds were what was considered unclean. And if you were around those things, you know what you had to go through just to get back to be clean so you could say, go to the synagogue, enter the temple, do certain things in your home? You had to go through... A whole nother bathing ritual. They associated these birds with terrible things. In fact, well, now John, put, put that off. We, we, we need to save that for an exclamation. Let's look at the, the next verse, Matthew chapter 13, look at verse 20. But he that received the seed into stony places, the same as he that he heard the word, and anon with joy he received it. So he was pretty good at receiving it. Yet hath he no root in himself, but endureth for a while. For when tribulation or persecution ariseth because of the word, by and by he is offended. So what Jesus is saying is, he compares the idea of having a root inside of you. And we know what roots do, don't we? A couple years ago we went out in Jerry's field and we pulled weeds up, hopefully by the root. Because if you don't get the root, what happens? Four days later, he drives by and sees those lazy Brighamans didn't really do anything. They just maybe cut the tops off. And the thing grows back. You have to get the root. And how much more difficult is it to get the root than just cut the leaves off the top? It's a lot more difficult, especially if the ground is hard 
if the conditions aren't right, you, you hurt your back, pulling, bending over, stretching it. The root is important. It's the foundation. And what he's saying here is that when we receive God's Word, when we hear it, if we don't have the proper root, what happens is some persecution comes. People make fun of you for going to church. People may make fun of you for memorizing the Scripture. People make fun of you for setting time aside to read your Bible. Persecution comes, and you know what you do with that word? You think, well, it's not that important. And you start to set aside the importance of the word. You fall away from it for persecution's sake. You don't want to be associated with God's holy word. Does that ring any bells describing any of our culture? Groups and people that don't want to be associated with the Bible. The inerrancy of the Bible. Verse 22. He also that receives seed among thorns is he that heareth the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becometh unfruitful. So the one among thorns and notice that all of these there's one constant in all the different soils and that is that the person heard it. It says the one in among the wayside heard it but the bird came and took it. Stony places he heard it but didn't have root. Among the thorns he heard it but something came up and choked it. See they all hear it. This is why you can't think well I'm, I'm doing my I'm a good Christian because I'm hearing it. If we really thought that this would do everybody good, we, we could all get to the point where we think, you know, it's biblical that we should build some concentration camps, arrest people, put them in there, and just put loudspeakers of the Word of God in there. Because, I mean, if they heard it, well, then they'd become what we want them to be. See, none of us believe that. Hearing it isn't what this parable is talking about. It's what happens after it gets inside of us. And verse 22 is describing thorns. And the thorns are the cares of this world. What are the cares of this world? Yeah? Distractions? One place my mind goes for, the, if you're a parent, your cares are, am I taking care of my kids? My job? Um, the cares are, do I drive a good enough car that people won't laugh at me? Do I have enough money set aside for retirement? The cares of this world. The things that pertain to this earth. You worry about your job. That's the care of the world. You know, Jesus said, you take care of the kingdom of God, you do that and I'll add all these things unto you. But when the cares of this world get a hold of us, we worry, we think more about those things than the Word of God. We actually put more importance on what the world thinks versus what this thinks. Verse 23, But he that receives seed into the good ground. Okay, now we're there. We are now to the point where we're going to see what, what causes it to really grow. And all you farmers in here, you're thinking, yeah, this, all right, this is the good time. The good ground. It is he that hears the Word 
and does what? Understandeth it. See, I keep thinking about Jesus mad at those disciples because they didn't understand that he told them, I'll be back in three days. Do you remember Luke 19 when Jesus is going to Jerusalem the last time? And he pauses before he goes across the Kidron Valley up in there. He pauses and he weeps over the city. Crying. He is heartbroken because why? He says that city doesn't understand who's coming in today. They did not recognize that their Messiah was being presented to them. Because what he said about that was, if only you had known, at least in this thy day, what day? The day that your Messiah is being presented to you? If only you had known, at least in this thy day, the things that belong to you. But he said, because you don't, the armies are going to come and circle this place. And they're going to kill every man, woman, and child in here. They'll level it to the ground. He wept because they didn't understand that the Messiah, the promised one, was being presented to them. Understanding. Now think of that. They could reach out and touch him. They could smell him. They could hear him. They could hear the donkey he was riding on. They were that close to him, that intertwined with his existence. And yet... What was the problem? They didn't understand. You see, I'm getting to something. For a long time in Christian circles, people went to church and they came and sat down in a pew and they thought, well, you know, going to church. So it makes me a good person. I mean, I I went to church. I even, I didn't even fall asleep when that pastor was up there boring us to death. It doesn't matter if you stay awake. I mean, it sure helps. But we have to understand what the book says. Without understanding it, you are all the problem that the book talks about. I, this, this, this gives me goosebumps in a way, and it scares me in a way. Because I keep thinking, what part of my life is like the Pharisees? What part of this thing don't I understand? Because Jesus is coming back here. And it talks about him having a reckoning with his servants of what we did with what he gave us. What part of this don't I understand? You see, Christians, for way too long, it's been a feel religion. I feel good because I follow the guy who loved people. He healed them and he was with the poor and the downtrodden. Yes, he was. But while he was here, he told us to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your... The part we always forget. We're supposed to be mentally strong people. We're supposed to devour this stuff. To know what God is speaking to us. And because we really have... That, that's one reason we'll get to here in a little bit. We, we, got, we got issues we got problems in the very general, the big American and worldwide church. Because there's been a lot of places that we haven't taught this the right way. We haven't taught it. We've just spoken of it in a feel-good way instead of delving into what's this sucker really saying? Just like this, that comparison 
It said that Satan came to steal the seed. In the giving of the parable, who was that being that came and took it? It was the birds. Let's do a little exercise here. This doesn't end with just these few verses here. I want you to look down at verse 31, where Jesus keeps talking. Most of the time when people get to this point, they thought, well, he's on this, a new topic. He's on another subject. We always think that the Bible, Jesus especially, he only talked about a subject for about three verses, then went on to something else, then maybe four verses, and then two verses, and he kept changing subjects. Maybe not. Verse 31, another parable put he forth unto them. See, we read that, we think another parable, that means he's on to something new. The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed which a man took and sowed in his field which indeed is the least of all seeds, but when it is grown, it is the greatest among herbs and becometh a tree, so that the birds of the air come and lodge in the branches thereof. We read that and and we think that things started out so small, and because God is a miracle worker, and He is, He caused that sucker to grow so big. It's the biggest. So big that we can sit under it with shade and have a picnic. I can tell you something right now. The people that He said this to, had any understanding at all, they heard this a lot different. What came and lodged in those branches? See, what Jesus is describing here is when this church gets really mature and it gets huge, guess what's going to get in there? Satan himself. There is no other way to read this than at least to include this part. The birds at the beginning of the parable, when it gets time to explain it, the birds that came and devoured the seed, Jesus said in Matthew verse, chapter 13, verse 19, He says that the birds were, was Satan, the wicked one. So when you get down here to the rest of this, don't sit there and think, well, the church is just this wonderful place all the time. No matter what throughout history, it's always going to be perfect. The teacher's in it. You can trust everybody behind a pulpit. Whatever comes over Christian radio, just suck it right down. You better be careful. Because when it gets so big, it's possible. And I'm not up here to name names of any sort. But this is the understanding of the Scripture. What should you be aware of? Very possible there's birds up in that tree. And you need to think of things like crows that poop all over everything. 100... 60 yards from our house is a big tree where 30 vultures plant themselves every night. I feel for those neighbors. You know what comes out the bottom of those birds? Sometimes if they get mad, they even comes out their mouth. They barf all over everything. Birds are nasty. This is not meant to picture a beautiful little blue songbird and he's chirping away the songs of God. It's not what's taking place here. The same bird that stole the seed from that person to send them to hell is the same bird that is perching up in this tree, which Jesus said, like the kingdom of heaven. All right, now right about now, he's thinking, he's, that guy's up there, he's crazy. There's no way he, that, that's a negative parable. Let's look at the next one. Verse 23, another parable, spake he unto them a kingdom, the kingdom of heaven is like unto what? What's your Bible say? Leaven or yeast? What does the Bible always 
picture yeast as? Remember Jesus telling his disciples, you guys beware the leaven of the Pharisees. Leaven, what does it do to bread? Causes it to rise. It puffs it up. It's always a picture of pride. In the Old Testament, when they would commemorate sinlessness, a picture of something without sin, it was bread that was like a cracker. It didn't rise. It didn't puff up. It was unleavened bread. It didn't have leaven in it. When Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like unto leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till the whole was leavened. You know what he's talking about there is sin getting in the church. Sin getting into the kingdom of God and that garbage spreading until it gets everywhere. Understanding your Bible. You have to look at things according to the definitions of the Bible. There's none of us in here that think when mom or grandma is making homemade bread, that when she pours yeast in there, we don't jump back and think, get away from that sin. We don't. It's not part of our culture. But the Jewish people, and that's what this was written to, they would have gasped in horror at the idea that God's kingdom, a woman took leaven, yeast, and put it in these how many measures? There were three measures. In their culture, that was the, the hospitality, the friendship offering. It's always associated with that. There's people coming to visit and you're going to give them sin, something unclean. Describing the church in the end times is going to have issues. Let's go back to verse 24. Anybody, what's the subheading in your Bible? Starting at verse 24, it's the parable of what? The wheat and what? What's a tear? Tear is a weed. It's something Jerry doesn't want in between the rows. You've got to get it out. So what we're about to read is something about good and bad, isn't it? Wheat is good. Wheat is what you harvest and you bring into your barns. Verse 24, Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. It goes out of its way to, to directly enunciate the seed is good. But what's the next word in your Bible? First word in verse 25 is but. In other words, we've got a contrast here. He sowed good seed, but... While men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. So we're only two verses into this parable. And we already have good and bad. Everybody agree? Verse 26, When the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. So the servants of the householder came and said unto him, Sir, didst not thou sow good seed in thy field? From whence then hath it these tares? You see, the servants have a problem. They're beside themselves. We sowed, you sowed good seed out there. But now that stuff is growing up, we see somebody sowed something else out there. Something undesirable, something harmful. And now the rest of these verses talk about how it gets to be separated. Verse 28. 
He said unto them, An enemy hath done this. And the servant said unto him, Wilt thou then that we go and gather them up? He's talking about going, let's go get the weeds out of there. But he said, Nay, lest while you gather up the tares, you root up also the wheat with them. There are, there's a chance that in places, in Christian circles, what is very possible... I, I'm not, there's no, I don't have the authority to say it's likely or unlikely, but we need to know it's possible. What else could be in there? There, there could be weeds. And you may wonder, well, why, God, this is his church. Why doesn't he just come and just rip that out of there? This parable says in verse 30, you don't want to root out the weed also. Verse 30, let them both grow together until when? The harvest. Now, the harvest is clearly the end of days or when judgment is. And we're not going to take the time to go through that, but you can see, starting in verse 37, that he talks about this. This parable, that the reapers that are sent out there to reap the wheat, those are the angels. And it says that the, the good seed are his children, but the wheat, the tares, they're not only just not... Good, they're children of the enemy. And you know what the Bible says happens to them? Look at here in verse 30. Gather ye together first the tares and bind them in bundles to do what? To burn them. Now, it doesn't say we're going to burn them right now. But it's just going to bind them and set them off to the side. And to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. All of these parables after the well, these three parables that came after the parable of the sower, they all describe something that's good that got some bad in it. The good seed of the wheat, an enemy sowed some tares and it sprung up. That mustard seed that started out as something really good and it grew, but it got so big that there were cracks, there was wide open doors. And those birds went and lodged in there. And that's a picture of Satan. He's that nasty bird that grabs the seed off the soil before it can get root in. And that woman that hides, hides yeast in the three measures of meal until the whole thing is leavened. Do you see why people like Pastor, they, they go to a lot of effort to find and to weed out error. And can you see in our culture why when it gets started, maybe it gets into a few schools where there's one person really high up in the Department of Education that has some wacky, goofy idea and it's allowed to get out there and that thing reproduces and pretty soon the whole field is full of weeds. Sower sows the word. And the clear thing that Jesus is teaching is this seed, the Word of God falls in all kinds of different ground. And the key to it working is when somebody hears it and they understand it. When they understand it, then Jesus says that's when that sucker it brings forth the bl first the blade, then the ear, then the corn in the ear. Some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. But it brings forth fruit. It's all about 
understanding. You need to be sensitive when you read your Bible. Look at how many times people that Jesus talked to had no idea what he was talking about. And at times, even his own disciples. It happened all the time. There's always this problem of people not understanding what he's saying. And Jesus said this is the secret to the kingdom of heaven. We have to understand. So how do we do this? I mean, you paint a pretty, quite the picture there, John, that we've got to have understanding. How do we do this? You're just going to open the door and send us home and tell us just figure it out on your own? Nope. When the Holy Spirit came. Jesus said that when I leave here, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, the Comforter. And what would He do? The Bible says He will guide you into all truth. What's truth? The book. So the Holy Spirit is with me when I'm reading this, and you need to invite Him in. Holy Spirit, tell me, what does this mean? This sounds so strange, and I don't even have a... If you don't picture something in your mind that the Bible is teaching, you need to ask the Holy Spirit, give me a picture. What's what's this talking about? And God, the Holy Spirit, will walk you through this. And what you'll end up doing is comparing Scripture to Scripture, just like this idea of the birds, that in the explanation that was Satan, and then in the other parable, those suckers are lodging up in that big tree. It doesn't mean that they're good. It doesn't mean that This thing is nice, it's strong, and it can give rest to people. It's not what that's saying. It's so big that it's not being manicured. It's not being weeded. It's not being taken care of. And the birds are going to get in there, and they're going to poop all over everything. Understanding the Scriptures. Whenever you read your Bible, you, you really if you come across something that you don't understand, in a way, there's a, there's a point of, of rejoicing if you know that you don't understand it. Because right there, you plant a flag and you tell the Holy Spirit, Lord, guide me into something right here. Because you're about to learn something that is not only just going to explain that, it's going to explain what comes next on the next page and something way down the line. And you're going to be able to put this part of the Bible with this part. When you read something and you really you think, I don't, have, I don't know what that's talking about. Rejoice. And you ask the Holy Spirit, I found something, Lord, teach me this. And I'm telling you, in a day, in two days, you'll turn on a radio and that preacher will be talking about that exact verse. Or you'll meet somebody at the post office and they will somehow give some insight that God will tap you on the shoulder. That's what I'm talking about. Right there in that verse. God does things like that. And he may just bring to your mind, go to Ezekiel. He may say something like that and show you exactly what it means. Understanding. Because we want to get to that verse 23 in Matthew 13 where we are the good ground, where we hear the word, we understandeth it, which also beareth fruit and bringeth forth some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. If you can't tell... To me, I I think there's a lot of things in the Bible that people who have even been in church a long time, and been one of them, still am probably in some ways I don't even know about yet, have misrepresented, misunderstood what that thing is saying. 
That's why we need to approach this thing on our knees. We need to read the Bible not as just, man, I sure know, I already know what's in there. I've been through Mark 4. Why, why do we need to go through that again? God can show you exactly what He's talking about. And then that sucker, it all comes together. You know, there's even a lot of places in the Bible where the birds cause terrible havoc. There's examples in the Old Testament where birds came and ate the flesh of some lady, just basically pecked her to death. There's verses in Revelation where it's talking about Jesus calls all the great fowls of the air to come and to feast on the flesh of his enemies. See, we need to read the Bible that way. It's consistent from beginning to end. He's not going to have a picture where it means good somewhere and bad in another. Not without really just coming out and telling you. The Bible. It's amazing. Dear Heavenly Father, we pray, Lord, that we would always have understanding when we read Your Word. We pray that it would get into us so that it would take root and grow and bring forth in our lives fruit for us and those around us. Lord, we again remember to pray for Pastor and Tiff, that You would strengthen and encourage them. We pray specifically for Tiff, that her body would be strengthened, that she would grow in strength, that she would rest peacefully and comfortably tonight. In Jesus' name. Amen.